Please leave me a rating and a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever. Thank you. Sunny day. Happy New Year. Oh, hello, Bridget. This is Matthew Schneeman, the person who interviewed you a couple oh, of weeks ago. Oh, I remember you. Yes, indeed. Wonderful. I, I just wanted to wish you a happy New Year. Yep. Bridget McDonald is a wonderful person. She's a nun and an activist slash organizer, and I'm glad to have her in the world. My intros have been getting a little bit long, so I'll try to keep this one short. Bridget is an inspiration and reminds me that when the world is painful, that should mean that there's something wrong with the world, not that the world is wrong. If Sister Bridget McDonald doesn't pick up her phone when you call her, you'll hear this. Hello, you've reached Bridget McDonald. Please leave a message. Peace to the world. I wish you all strength and love and humility, and here is the episode. Oh, yeah. Do you have any memorable? Well, one that I remember came to me one time when people were giving us the finger, I said to the others, I said, don't forget, that's a half a peace sign. (laughs) So we just say, put the other finger and you'll have peace among us, you know. somewhere but I don't think so yeah okay um, do you have any questions um, no I don't even have any answers but I hope <laughs> that we'll figure them out <laughs> <laughs> we'll find them <laughs> um, I thought I would open up with some jokes oh um, I, I know you are a pacifist That's right. yeah so, I'm a joker too so it fits in <laughs> I uh, this is from my joke book um, the difference between a firefighter and a fire pacifist is that a fire pacifist spends most of their time trying to prevent fires. Oh, sure. <laughs> pacifist. Um, I'm not a fan of the underdog. I'm a fan of dogs not fighting. Oh, peaceful dogs. Yeah. Um, how about this one? This one's a bit political. Uh, war is not the answer. Unless the question is, how do you take resources from other countries so that we can give them to our companies, then yes, war is the answer. There, I never heard that part. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. I have bumper stickers that say war is not the answer. Mm. That's good, unless the question is, what is the most horrible thing in the world? (laughs) (laughs) I have an introduction for you. Um, 
Bridget McDonald. Do you pronounce your name? B R I G I D. So is it That's pronounced the Irish way? Bridget, or is it pronounced? Bridget. So. Well, it, people can't hear the D. It's a D. It's Bridget. Okay. Bridget McDonald is one of the four McDonald sisters who are sisters of St. Joseph's of Carondelet, uh, Rita, Kate, and Jane. She is one of 11 McDonald siblings of Watertown, Minnesota, one of many of the Women Against Military Madness, and one of even more of the peace movement, and was one of many in the Catholic Pastoral Committee on Sexual Minorities, which is a Catholic ministry that advocated for LGBT plus people, which um, closed or disbanded in 2014. A play has been produced based on the sisters' lives and activism called Sisters of Peace, playing at the History Theater in March in St. Paul, Minnesota. It focuses on their protests at Honeywell Corporation, an arms developer, and against the School of the Americas, a programs used by a program used by the DOD to train and influence Central and South American military activities. Bridget also taught first grade for many years. That's just one sentence, but a very important thing that, if done right, accomplishes all the goals of the aforementioned, aforementioned elements of this introduction. Any corrections? Um, no. Honeywell, we did, and Alliant Tech uh, was was another big, uh, I don't know if I should be in this, Alliant Tech mm -hmm. out in uh, Eden Prairie, well, we protested there after Honeywell for just about as, as many years. That's a manufacturing, weapons manufacturing uh, place. Mm. So the only thing, the Honeywell had one step higher because they made thermostats, at least, uh, you know, for the heating system. So they had a redemptive quality to them but Alliant Tech out in Eden Prairie only makes weapons of mass destruction actually mm. so we protested there for years and years and then they left town so we were we were happy they left town yeah I, I wasn't familiar with the School of America oh yeah was it um I wasn't familiar with that at all what, the, what's that about? Oh, the School of the Americas uh, was uh, down in Fort Benning, Georgia, mm -hmm. where we trained uh, Latino soldiers. They come up here for training to go back, and um, they called them the resurgence to uh, something about, uh, you know, the resurgence. It really means go back and kill your own people, you know, for protesters, killing protesters. But they called them the insurgents, mm. you know. But it was our training of their soldiers uh, that was killing their their own people, you know. Yeah. The, the, the four sisters from El Salvador that were slaughtered and killed f some years back, and th that was people from the School of the Americas, uh, generals, you know. So they've been going on for quite a while, and so. Yeah, uh, it was it was both inspiring and disheartening when I was doing my research on you. Um, because you and many people within the peace movement are inspiring characters, but the subject material yeah. <laughs> is a bit, a bit yeah. rough. Yeah. Uh, one I did have a kid once. This is just kind of a cute thing. I was talking about going down and, uh, to close the School of the Americas, mm -hmm. and this kid was all kind of worried. Why are they closing the Schools of America? <laughs> he had the S on the, just the wrong word there. Why are they closing the Schools of America? Well, that was cute. I had to try to explain that. It's the School of the Americas. Yeah, but it, it, to a kid, it sounded like we were trying to close all the schools. <laughs> I thought it was a good idea, I guess. <laughs> Do you think your time spent uh, teaching uh, children and being around them has helped you 
communicate some of these larger ideas that we usually forgive because of the complexity of them. Like war is complicated, we should you know forgive the um, you know all, all of the atrocities. Or mm-hmm. well, what it, what it did for me is simplify the message. You know, if you use uh, too many explanations, a little kid can only get the simple message, you know? And I think we're all like that. Too many words and you lose the essence of what you really want to say. So I've learned to to, uh, make the dialogue very direct Mm. and shorter, you know? Heavier but shorter. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Mm. I kind of believe that we will destroy the world in order to save it for our children. Um, Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, one thing I was wondering about is you have um, there are six girls and four boys in your family. Five boys. Five five mm-hmm. boys, right? Yeah. Um, what are the other two sisters that didn't go into the? Oh, they always they always said they were normal. They got married and had children and grandchildren, you mm-hmm. know, and lived in the world and worked hard and all those kind of normal things. They said, you know. So we always joked about the four of us, you know, that joined the convent, you know. We didn't work as hard as a mother. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's true (laughs) in many cases. Uh, Just different kind of work. You can't compare works. You know, good works are needed no matter where it is. Yeah. Your sister, um, I can't remember which one, maybe it was Kate, said she learned a valuable lesson when she was moving to North Forks. Wait, North Dakota Grand Forks. Oh, Grand Forks, that's Uh, right. And she said somebody told her that you can't compare beauties. Yeah, Jane always says that. Yeah. Whenever we're trying to compare something, she always says you can't compare beauties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How true. Yeah. You just enjoy beauties. You don't compare beauties. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, that was Jane. When um, your sister Kate said this, and I think you also said this when I saw you speak at an event, that one of the reasons why you um, went into the... What would I use? Ministry? Monastery? Uh, we we just called it, we joined the convent. The convent, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you made a joke about saying that back then there was there was a five-year period where you didn't have to, before you took your final vows. That's right. And you yeah. said they don't give you a five-year trial period. That's right, <laughs> yeah. Marriage. Yeah, I said it sounded easy. We got five years <laughs> trial period. You know, you had first vows and then you just were an aspirant for a while and then you took final vows and... By that time, you should have known what you were getting into, you know. Mm-hmm. I said, you don't have a trial for marriage. It's just, <laughs> you're there. But I guess they do get more, it's it's easier to get uh, separated now than it ever used to be in the church, you know. Oh, oh so, okay, yeah, yeah, for, yeah. For getting, like, divorced or... Yeah, yeah, divorce is much more acceptable now, Yeah. You know? Yeah, which which is nice. I always thought it'd be nice if people, when they got married every five years, you had to renew so that if mm-hmm. both weren't really feeling it too much, they could both yeah. just pretend that, that they forgot to renew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could just accidentally get yeah. divorced. I mean, there are ways of, of, of fortifying your, your marriage. I mean, you know, you got to do something mm-hmm. that will help you keep getting better and better. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the same in, in the convent, too. You keep learning theology, and you learn about people, and you uh, learn uh, other ways of life. I mean, you're always learning. When you stop learning, you'll be in the graveyard. Yeah. I say you're
if well so if if you were uh, a young person today because it kind of seems that because of the societal pressures um, and the lack of options for women back in the day that that informed your decision to go into the convent what do you think you would do nowadays if you were growing up mm-hmm. well I think as, as a younger person probably the Peace Corps was was um, you know attractive oh. you know but that was after you know that was probably in my 30s when that started but I think if that had been I entered when I was 20 so I think if I had the opportunity of Peace Corps that would have sounded good you know and there's more ways of serving now than there was when I was 20. You know, you mm-hmm. were a nurse or a teacher. You know, that was about it, or, or a mother or a nurse or a teacher. You know, I think there's a lot of different ways now, even in the church, for women to um, minister. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's an open field now, and you can. But it's a, it's a bigger commitment, you know, to join the convent. Now it is. Uh, uh, well, I mean, even now, it's a commitment, a little stronger commitment than just we'll say the Peace Corps. Or something, yeah. You know, it, it's a, sh- it's considered, you know, your life, a choice, you know, yeah. Your 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 way of life, so to speak, you know. But yeah, some religions they have kind of period of going to it. like Buddhism. You can be a monk for a little bit. I think Mormons they have certain positions that you step into for a couple of years and step out. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be a good idea. Yeah, yeah, because. What lasts forever and is the same, you know, everything changes, including your own personality. So yeah. when people entered and they were 18, you know, you barely knew yourself, you know. Well, by the time you're 50, you know, you could be a whole different person, you know. But, but maybe I didn't change very much. Excuse <laughs> 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 me. One thing I kind of wanted to ask you about is living a or Im- embodying a role that that has such a uh, heavy stereotype for example when i when i called you initially you called back and you were in the hospital or you were at the hospital visiting a friend who was in the hospital and after i hung up i had two thoughts the first one was oh that was nice and then the second one was kind of a weird thought where it's like oh but she's a nun so that's what nuns do <laughs> it's kind of a Mm-hmm. a weird way of belittling um, uh, your service. And I was wondering if you feel that people, I guess this is a different question, but I was wondering if you think people excuse their own inaction because they don't live up to the ideal of someone who has 100% you know, dedicated their life to social justice or peace or poverty. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm trying to think of that. Uh, well, for one thing is um, other walks of life, uh, you know, if you uh, if you have a family, you, you can't just run off and, and, and protest on the streets or, or visit all the sick people you'd like to or mm-hmm. go to as many lectures, or, you know. So it, this way of life does give us a freedom uh, from other responsibilities. You know, there's no... A home to keep up or, or you know children and husbands and all that you know so I think this is a freer form of life to do those kind of things I'd feel very ashamed of myself if I didn't use my time for peace work or to visit the sick you know or, or take care of children or mm-hmm. take care of uh, poor people you know I would f- feel that that's what I should do that that's my calling 
you know, if you're married and have a family, that's your calling. That's a full-time job, mm-hmm. you know. So you, I think you have to be true to your calling. Yeah. You know? And you have a calling. I, I would, I kind of see you at, with two aspects. One is a call to service, um, just generally making the world a better place. And then the other would be a, uh, a more social justice corrective. Would you agree with that, that you kind of have two motivations? Or do you think everything's kind of wrapped up into one uh, belief? Well, I think when you first entered, you had a motivation uh, to, I think you, were, you thought you were called to, to holiness in a certain way, and your prayer life and your dedication was more to, to be holy and pray to God, and you know, it was more vertical, your relationship with God up there, and, and I'm trying to be good, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of like I say, I'm not trying to be good anymore, you know. I, <laughs> my way of life, I have to do good works, you know. Yeah. So it's changed to become horizontally uh, focused on uh, the the, the world. We have to help the world get better and help people get through their struggles, you know. So it has become a a, a horizontal way of life, spirituality change. Yeah. Considerable spirituality change. That's beautiful. Um, In another interview, you said something like that. Um, I really feel that Jesus would want us to go forward. And to be out there where the people are in pain, I believe that about Jesus. I always say Jesus never said, worship me. He said, follow me. Yeah. So that's why I'm, what I'm trying to do. Yeah, that, that's, uh, I believe that, you know. That yeah. We used to have the wrong idea, sort of, you know. Like we were always supposed to praise God and worship and praise and worship. You know, I don't, I'm not so sure Jesus used those words. You know, he used words of what you do to me, you do what you do to others, you do to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and so those are the ones I think that I try to live by more so. Yeah. Mm. What What does um, What does the work of being in the peace movement generally look like? Besides, like, um, famously, every Wednesday at five o'clock at the Lake Street Marshall Bridge. Um, there is yeah. a peace vigil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are vigils, and you know, you try to go as, if you belong to the peace movement. The Twin City Peace Movement is very strong, and there's a lot of different issues. You've got the Black Lives Matter issue, and now you have the tent city, tent city mm-hmm. issues, and you know, there's always there's always um, social issues, and I think the peace movement means uh, that's your way of life now. If you're in the peace movement, if you're dedicated to the peace movement, you do what the peace movement does. You know, if if you're uh, an opera singer, you know, you go to the operas and you learn how to do opera. You know, <laughs> so if you're in the peace movement, you learn where the peace protests are, or I should say, war protests. <laughs> and so we go to as many um, vigils. It's usually either a vigil or a protest or a demonstration, a rally. I don't know which one I'm at sometimes, but because they're all kind of the same. Yeah. Is this a rally or a protest or a vigil or what? What <laughs> am I at here today? But you act the same all the time. So so I think the, the peace movement is a, a, a way of life, you know. And, and not all the sisters uh, in my community go, you know, join the, the Twin Cities peace movement. I mean, that's separate from the Sisters of St. Joseph, mm-hmm. you know. So um, quite a few of us are, are in the peace movement, but... Not as a community, you're not expected to join the peace movement, but you are expected to be in community, 
you know, and, and live for, uh, and help the community grow, you know. So community is probably our first calling, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and then... Uh, first calling of being of, in the convent? Of, of making, of joining the convent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because there are... Um, I think the Catholic Church is is a church of contradictions. There's a history of radical um, priests and nuns. Um, you know, famously, if you got that one father that uh, got arrested and was running from the FBI for sabotaging nuclear arms. But then there's the other side of the Catholic Church that can be very repressive. and And you seem to be... Yeah, and I think well, I think if you look at anything close enough, you'll see a bunch of contradictions. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What is even within your own choices? There's contradictions. Mm-hmm. You know, should it be this way or that way, or you know, who shall I uh, kind of emulate at this particular time? You know. Yeah. So th- there's usually contradictions and questions that we have within ourselves. Uh. But like you, you try to look to people that, that have been in the movement ahead of you and, and have, uh, you know, set up an example, you know. So you usually, you're never just out there alone, plodding along, trying to make peace in the whole world, <laughs> you know. It, you got to do it in a community. So there's peace community and the Sisters of St. Joseph community. So it, you're, you're kind of putting your spirituality uh, out in the public social life, too, you know. Uh-huh. It's a combination, I feel. Yeah. And... And I think you've navigated that that for that for a while. The difference between um, spirituality and uh, political, uh, more famously, when the uh, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth um, years ago tried to have an order to to silence um, nuns from being so. Um, socially active yeah 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 yeah. he was calling it was saying more for like we're social workers you know you're supposed to be contemplatives or you know religious you know and i feel that being socially active is religious because i really think jesus was socially active Uh you know he, he did a lot of controversial things that the pharisees did not like you know but he put them in their place. <laughs> yeah. He called them white and sepulchers, you know. He didn't like the, the, the Pharisees too, too much. Well, they were, they were um, kind of um, judgmental, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I, I think that's something that is not in place of the Jesus movement, judging other people, you know. You can't, I try not to, but I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is the what is one of the weirder or strange stranger things people have? I'm kind of picturing uh, when people yell at you when you're protesting. Oh yeah. Do you have any memorable? Well, one that I remember came to me one time when people were giving us the finger. I said to the others, I said, "Don't forget that's a half a peace sign." <laughs> so we just say, "Put the other finger, and you'll have peace among us." You know. <laughs> so a lot of times, I think you have to be humorous to keep yourself from getting angry a- at other people who don't think like you do. Mm-hmm. You know, you always think, "Oh, the whole world should think," you know, about peace the way I do. You know, so it's really hard to uh, accept people where they are and not expect they're gonna, you know, <laughs> believe the same. So that that. That's my lesson. I think, well, it's a half a peace sign. I'll give them credit for that much. You know. 
but we get some some people that say rotten things to us, you know. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't believe in saying it back. Yeah, you know that that wouldn't that wouldn't help, and it doesn't make any uh, doesn't grow. Nothing grows good in that kind of an environment. Mm-hmm. It, it's very um, when w- one thing I try to keep in mind when when I do interviews is is that we're just saying a bunch of words. It's ideas are very nice and they're very entertaining. Um, but ideas aren't enough. In, in order to kind of preserve your 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 drive and and sense of of justice, I imagine you must do other things um, like prayer or meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that correct, or do you have a a routine that helps keep you grounded? Well, I I definitely believe in um, in in meditation, you know, and and reading good things, you know, like Howard Zinn is one of my heroes, mm-hmm. you know. So I have to read that a lot and um I, I think meditation and i consider prayer isn't just uh, saying words one after the other you know uh, prayer i see i i compare p- prayer and work to like a scrambled egg you can't separate it <laughs> you know you can separate a fried egg but you can't separate a scrambled egg you know prayer and and uh and your action sh- should be part of you just come from you you know as a, as a whole person so mm-hmm. prayer and action are one, you know. And so if I don't act and do anything, well, what good is my prayers, you know? So yeah. I combine them. Yeah. What do you think people think about um, about your life? Uh, do you think people think um, it's lonely? Um, I, I guess what I'm saying is when you have a, a different lifestyle, such as being in the convent, uh, being in the peace movement. I'm not sure what my question is. <laughs> what do you think I'm trying well, to ask? Do people have a different concept of religious life from the outside? They just see us, you know, especially in the beginning in black and white and going up the aisle. You look like you don't even have any legs. You just smoothly go walk around, you know, like a real nun, you know. But um, I think the days of when they thought of us as... Uh, severe and and uh not happy and pious and you know and, and not real and all those things you know um i think that's over pretty much because they see nuns out there doing doing things you know in in the in the social area you know mm-hmm. that i i don't think people think of that anymore and i mean happiness um you know everybody can make themselves happy or make themselves unhappy that's true yeah and and uh, i mean circumstances might make me mad you know but i don't think they i mean the only unhappy thing you think of is when you see when i see the news you know watching the news makes me really sad and you know but those kind of things are important to know like yemen every time you see pictures of yemen you just weep you know yeah so those kind of things but it doesn't it's not an unhappy thing as much as it uh is an a- anger at the injustice. I, mm-hmm. For me, anyway, it is, you know. Just the other day on uh, PBS's NewsHour, they, they did a report on, on Yemen, and this thing kept happening that was just the, the most gut-wrenching, um, sad, and just like crazy thing where they would show a kid who had shrapnel go through their gut or mm-hmm. their leg would be blown off, and it, it'd be so sad because... Mm-hmm. The nature of that is awful, yeah. and that kid would have been the lucky one, and the kid's like brother or sister 
were killed in the same yeah. attack. Mm. So there, there kept being this this level where you you think this is really awful. And then it'd get even worse. worse. Yeah. 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 And then you'd realize that the staff at the hospital, they, they hadn't been paid for two years. Yeah. And it gets yeah. even worse. From worse to worser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That happens a lot. You know, you think, how could it get worse? And then sure enough, places are, you know. No, I think it's, it's real hard to watch that kind of stuff because I, I've never, we, we have never suffered that way. You mm -hmm. know, I've never been starving you know we were growing up poor but we ate we were happy you know mm -hmm. and we were cared for so it's hard to put yourself in that place where you know your whole home and family bombed out you know and you're the only one left and it's just terrible it must be just it's beyond my thinking anyhow yeah growing up uh it sounded like your parents were very um, inspiring good people. You talked about your your father was always looking out for the neighbors, helping them. Mm -hmm. um, you told a story about your mother always helping and, and taking in a elderly neighbor whose house was really cold in the winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She'd walk by on the road, you know, Lizzie, and mom would invite her in, you know, and give her make her warm and give her something to eat yeah and I think we saw that and my dad being farmers the farmers helped each other mm -hmm. you know so that was just part of of living on the farm is you help out your neighbor and we had a cousin one time that I think he had lost his hand he had lost a hand in an accident oh. and so came thrashing time and times like that and the neighbors all got together and went and did his field you know thrashed his field and made food and so you grow up with that you know that that's part of of a life mm. it is life you know so you can't ignore when people need you yeah how did um how did your brothers end up well uh dead <laughs> sorry I, I haven't i haven't asked you about the the status there of were five boys and they have all died and have gone to heaven i presume because they were they, they, well they were good but they weren't um they just were not called in priesthood you know so we're all old you know yeah <laughs> <coughs> but um we're in pretty good health and able to protest and talk and eat and sing and dance yeah what more could you want to do <laughs> um i wanted to it seems that the church has failed in a specific topic um Things with like celibacy, abortion, homophobia, um, child rape and molestation. Um, do you? I wonder why, with sexuality, the Catholic Church has made such a collection of missteps. Um, and I and I just I I, mm. I could have I could just do my research and like look that up. Someone's probably written no, multiple I, books on it. I mean, to say you're saying kind of what what would be the reason? For such atrocities in that area, yeah, you know, yeah. or such strictness in that area, you know, and um, well, I mean, there's got to be some uh, something against sexuality. They must feel there's something bad about it, you know. They're down deep. I don't know, but they they have never accepted a, a sex as a glorious thing. You know, it's mm -hmm. always been a little bit on the hidden side and. And uh, I just don't know how they how it turned out so um, negative, 
you know, because I know I had Irish relatives too that you just didn't say the word. Uh-huh. You know, you don't talk about those things, not at all. You know, well, it's still it's hard to talk about, um, you know, birth control and things like that if you're talking to strong Catholics, because yeah, I, I just assume not because, uh, you know, they have an opinion, I have an opinion, so you, you just live with other people's opinions, you know, mm-hmm. and nobody knows if they're to- nobody is totally right, you know, yeah. or totally wrong. So there's a little give and take there. But I mean, the whole abortion issue, you know, it seems to me so many people aren't exactly pro-fetus. They're uh, anti-women's choice. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a big difference there, see, you know, to, to be really a, a child lover or you just don't want women to make their own choices. You know, there's a lot of gap in there, you know. So they're just, it's kind of anti-feminine too, a lot of it, mm-hmm. in the deep sense, you know. But um, you know, abortion is a hard issue because, you know, I always say I'm I'm pro-life but pro-choice. Yeah. You know, that that should go together. Uh, but I never had to face that, so I guess <laughs> uh, you'll leave it up to the people who, you know, have to deal with it a lot of time. Listen to them. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Um, how do, how do you feel? What 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 would you what would you like to tell people? Um, what do you think people? Yeah. What what's kind of in, in your heart that you feel you'd like to share? Hmm. Well, well, I think the um, accepting people uh, as as they are is is a big way of staying happy. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, you're always f- kind of fighting within yourself, or arguing with them, or trying to change somebody, and they're wrong, and you're right, and and that just to me, uh, that doesn't make me happy, you know. But to try to accept people, you know, as they are, and and they're doing, everybody is doing the best they can, and if they need, uh, you know, updating in 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 their spirituality, you can always dialogue, you know. But I I don't like to argue with people that I know have totally different opinion from mine, that's okay, you know, they've got to live with theirs and I have to live with mine, you know. We each got it from uh, influences, outer influences and things we've read and people we hear. And so I, I, I think not to, um, not to judge people and, and try to change them on the spot, you know. Accept people as they are, you know, whatever that is love or acceptance or something like that. But I, I believe you have to get angry about things too. Mm-hmm. There are things you that uh, are provoking, you know, that you can't just pretend it's not happening, you know. I believe in speaking the truth whenever possible. how people think about death or I feel like because of your faith and um, because of your age and so many of your friends and family having experienced mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. Yeah. that it, it may not be as dramatic. Um, but am I misspeaking? Well, I, 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 often, I, I strongly believe there's another existence. You know, and I don't like to talk about God up there and heaven is this and, you know, and hell is that. And, you know, I, I don't believe that kind of separation anymore. And, 
uh, you know, fragmented kind of spirituality. But deep in me, I believe there's another uh, existence coming, you know. Because someone said, if, if there isn't a heaven, this is a dirty trick. <laughs> <laughs> so I do believe in another existence, and and I don't, no one's going to know anything about it, any they haven't been there and back, you know. People will talk about saints and angels and all of that, you know. Well, that's just a belief. You know, you can believe it or not believe it. Nobody has the proof anyhow. So, but I do believe in another existence somewhere. I don't know where. Mm-hmm. Maybe Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> no, some some beyond, but it's, it is a beyond kind of uh, subject. Yeah. You know, nobody is going to say, well, here's the way it really is. You know, so, mm. and if they are, they they belong somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there and back, you know. <laughs> yeah, but but if you don't approve of death, you're in a bad shape. <laughs> well, thank you so much for uh, letting me interview you. Um, I would like to thank you for your service and as a. Um, as a lapsed Catholic, um, I, it just touches me my heart so much to see and hear stories stories about reaching out to those um, that the church has kind of been intolerant of. Um, because when you're raised Catholic, and then you know, turns out you're gay or something, mm-hmm. um, that's a very difficult position because yeah. you're raised in in a in a loving environment with a lot of good things. The Catholic Church has a lot of good things to offer, and then. So from some people I know, it's um, it's just I just feel a, a tremendous amount of gratitude for that mm-hmm. that ability to help protect people mm-hmm. from something as complicated yeah. as yeah. Mm-hmm. I really feel sometimes that that I'm divorced from a hierarchical structure. I just don't think Jesus started a hierarchical structure at the Last Supper. Now you'll be a pope, and you'll be a and you'll be a monsignor, and you'll be an altar boy, and you know I, I just don't think that the hierarchical structure is part of the Jesus movement. Mm. So I, I, I feel divorced from that. I, I think it's in, in community and, um, you know, doing your, doing the right thing. Yeah. You know, do the right thing, you know. And whatever you think is the right thing, do it then, you know. Don't ask someone else to do it. <laughs> so it, I, I kind of have a different concept of, of church probably. Yeah. But, uh, see, I, the church I go to is um, Spirit of St. Stephen's which is uh, non-hierarchical, you know. We have prayer leaders. We follow a kind of a Catholic format as the mass, you know, but we don't use sexist language and we don't have a, a clergy dressed in a dress and not let women in, but they'll dress in a dress, mm-hmm. you know. So I have a different concept and, and you know, we have readings that are inclusive, you know. And so, so it fits my spirituality better. So we all have to do our own kind of spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. You know? But mine doesn't include hierarchy. Yeah. So, I, I'm a... Yeah. Well, well it's anything like that. Political hierarchy, too, is where it's, it's the people on top have all the answers and the people on the bottom obey. You yeah. know, that's gone, you know, in my mind, anyhow. It should be gone in politics, too, more so. People should have more to say. Mm-hmm. We won't get into politics, will we? <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Um, This has been your eulogy. My name is Matthew Schneeman. I did the music and edited this episode, though if I'm lucky, I will have a nice little excerpt of the sisters uh, singing. 
If you have any questions, please email me at youreulogymail at gmail.com. That's youreulogymail at gmail.com. Thank you very much. I'll see you next week.